Curators, a podcast from Glasgow International, bringing together artists and curators in creative conversation. Find us at glasgowinternational.org. Hey, uh, I'm Amin, Amin Sandhu. I'm an artist based in Montreal, Canada, although for many years I was based in Glasgow. I'm Andrew Black. I'm currently on the Isle of Skye, where I'm working on a project, but usually I'm in Glasgow as well. In this episode, artists Aman Sandhu and Andrew Black discuss the creation of their joint exhibition, The Magic Roundabout and The Naked Man in April. I first got to know Andy through a service job that we worked at, at a cafe. We met actually on a, on a bad job, a low-wage service job in a cafe that was on its last legs, but also that that was really during GI 2018. I was in the kitchen and Amon was out front and we were, this huge swell of people were coming up from London to, to visit GI. <laughs> and uh, that was something that we were talking about a lot from the, I suppose, as both as being graduated for a number of years and, and just actually finding ourselves working in this in this environment where a lot of people were talking to us about knowing that we were artists in some way, but we were also serving them poached eggs and cappuccinos. <laughs> I think there was a bit of solidarity from the outset for that reason, and a sort of talking critically to each other from the very off, I think. We were always talking about work and art, and the sort of mechanics, the sort of changing conversations in in the art scene specifically in Glasgow and it was at this time where it felt like there was an incredible focus on decolonizing art institutions which was something that we were both to some extent invested in but ambivalent about in lots of ways and so I think that was a big feature of our earlier conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah exactly and it was always like a a kind of guaranteed meeting always because <laughs> you know what I mean mm. like sometimes even a small art scene where everyone knows each other you know you don't necessarily get together and 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 have an opportunity to be in conversation and, and in dialogue and of course we weren't always talking about you know the art scene or or our practice or whatever but um we were sort of always around each other because you know we also had to pay our bills and 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 do that kind of work and and I, I think that sort of necessity of that kind of labor to sustain our practice so yeah having this kind of space of labor was super important but then we kind of coincidentally ended up being accepted into the same residency mm-hmm. and um, hospital field so we kind of both went from this working space then to like living at hospital field for a month together. Yeah. I think that was 2018 as well. A month of uh, eating at the same time as each other every single day and spending all of the downtime together and spending all of the working day in the studio in the same space. Uh, That's what hospital field is. So there were, there were lots of other people there as well. But I think we also both kind of had projects, research projects that we were quite into at that time which both became something we've seen the whole genesis of a project of each other's go from you know just that stage of reading and thinking and talking it through to becoming shows and and writing and 
you know, films and drawings and, and work. Yeah, I definitely feel like we've we've been very connected to each other's work. Every two weeks or every three weeks or something, we'd go and have pizza, and and then, <laughs> yeah. and, then and then go to bar or go back to somebody's flat regularly. It was booked in, um, and I've not had that for a long time. I don't know if I've ever really had that before. So we had a sort of quite a structured friendship, <laughs> I would say. It's also quite, I don't know. In a way, I feel like, uh, you know, what we've just described as like our, our, our dialogue for over a couple of years is kind of like this ideal of what you might expect to get out of art school. And although I have had some, you know, great friendships and, and, and great um, conversations that have come out of a kind of more formal education, uh, it, nothing quite like, like this. I, th- I feel like because of that, when I had the initial idea for Magic Roundabout, I felt like I could like throw it at you. And then you had a uh, body of research, you were sort of just beginning. And it felt quite natural to be like, let's maybe bring this work together. We have just done a job and then a residency and then close together exhibitions in the same place together. And it was a bit like, shall we now do a show together? (laughs) It was a bit like, you know, but it seemed to make sense. We're presenting a two-person exhibition and it includes two new moving image works and uh, some drawings and text. I think both of our works are thinking a lot about subversive narratives of place, particular points of uh, geography that are anecdotally and, and biographically connected to us. This exhibition is very much a snapshot of our research into these two very specific places. Yeah. I think something about that that I think felt important early on when you asked if I if I, if I'd be interested in applying to GI with you I don't think there are necessarily that many synchronicities in our practice or in our research interests even but this piece of work that each of us wanted to make did seem to work together the title of the exhibition is just the titles of our two films put together and mine's called The Naked Man in April The Naked Man is a it, it was an inn in a, a sort of upland valley uh, close to where I grew up in the north of England. Um, there are many kind of ruins of inns, mills, workhouses, and the sort of social and industrial infrastructure in the valley. But it's now a very kind of empty feeling kind of place. I, I asked my dad to go for a walk and to film it using his phone. And I asked him specifically to go and find a Neolithic cup and ring marked rock. There are lots of those as well in in the area that he'd never seen before. So it's basically I was asking him to go and find something which he's never seen in a place that he's very familiar with. I was just interested in the quality of the footage that he'd give me and the way that he'd look at the fields and, and moorlands and the river and the whole landscape. I went through this wall, this this gate, thinking, well. It was very quiet. There was nobody about. It was midweek. I hadn't got more than a couple of yards through the gate when a guy appeared out of the wood and said, 
Can I help you? Um, and I, I played with that a little bit by deliberately corrupting the digital files. Um, so the, the video is texturally quite pixelated and the sound is quite blown out. I was just trying to work with, I guess, some of the generally unde undesirable side effects of working with digital video. Um, so it, on the one on the surface level, it's just a very straightforward um, document of somebody moving through an area of English countryside. Um, but then on the other level, there are sort of several subtexts. There are presences in the in the landscape that aren't necessarily obvious. As I said earlier, there are the the sort of traces of the a large flax industry was once there. There's also a huge military station a radar station it's these huge surreal they're called the golf balls uh, locally these these radomes so there's this kind of weird clashing of kind of a nightmarish sci-fi uh, invasion into to, to sort of private space but there's also all of this kind of submerged industrial and social history in the valley so that's kind of the subtext of my dad's little you know day out and um, the Magic Roundabout, essentially it's a film that is focused on um, a roundabout uh, series in the town of Swindon in, um, in England. There's this notorious uh, roundabout called the Magic Roundabout, where it is a series of six roundabouts. It's quite a like treacherous uh, roadway. My family, I have three generations of immigration history into Swindon. Uh, my family is Punjabi. My great-grandfather immigrated from India in, like in the 30s to Swindon. I had this kind of familial connection to this place and uh, although I grew up in Canada, uh, I have a lot of memories of traveling to Swindon in the summers to visit my grandparents and, and my family are still there. And uh, I have a lot of memories of this kind of, uh, this roundabout in particular. But I kind of been f focusing on the roundabout because uh, I'm really thinking a lot about my family that do live in Swindon and wanting to think about the ways in which some of these family members, who, especially the ones who work off the grid, how they kind of push against um, certain uh, normative forms of, of what, would be considered the good immigrant and the ideas of linear or upward mobility that are like imbued on top of the immigrant and with the idea of the respectable immigrant. So I'm using the site of the roundabout as this way of like kind of messing with linear time. So, so quite literally the film is just driving into the roundabout and staying inside of the roundabout and never exiting in order to create a crisis, ultimately, uh, a crisis of not exiting. Kind of chewing on a lot of the things of this past year in terms of like, the farmer protests, um, the ways in which we can and cannot come together, and, 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 and really thinking about, yeah, thinking about ways to, like, just be that are, are, are non-normative, let's say. And, of course, it, you know, it, was confirmed and in the space we were going to do it in which was studio pavilion which is this really interesting uh, studio space at house for an art lover like it felt like a very exciting space to see this project in but of course the covid happened 
I mean, I, I wonder, Andy, like how you feel about the, this past year of like having a confirmed space and then uh, and everything that's happened now where we're at. Yeah, I think if I'm completely honest, the show that we were going to do I was very excited about working with Studio Pavilion and disappointed that we weren't able to do that. But I don't know if we would have put together something that's had as long to sort of <laughs> to marinate or something <laughs> as as we as we have now. <laughs> but I think the way that we had a conversation where it was just like we both realized the way that we would be able to make the work that we proposed would be to alter it but work with the alterations enthusiastically. So basically we both asked somebody else to record our footage for us. And rather than viewing that as a compromise and being on the end of the phone to somebody and trying to give them really specific instructions, I think it opened up new possibilities for the work for both of us to allow it to be a bit collaborative or unpredictable or to be viewing the material as something that you have a very different relationship to as something that you'd made yourself. We had a conversation on the phone where we quickly both realised that the limitations would actually be exciting and would push the work into a different space that we hadn't predicted when we'd initially proposed, but which somehow seemed to fit the initial germ of the idea that we proposed to begin with. I think I've made a stronger piece of work than I would have made a year ago. For me, it's also kind of spread outwards a little bit. It's one aspect of what's become a much bigger project, which will now probably be a body of work rather than just one discrete work. I'm going to continue to make work in the same place that I think will be quite different again and I think it's just having sat on it and having allowed it to sort of find its form over over a period of time that it's that's the reason why it's taken this shape and I'm I'm not going to say I'm happy about anything that's happened in the last year and a half but it's in terms of the how I feel about the work I think it's been fitting at least yeah similar similarly like it's I think that's a good way to put it. It's hard to say I'm happy but uh, with this past year, but uh, because originally I was going to go to Swindon and and drive into this roundabout myself or, and, 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 and with a family member and, and maybe we would tell some stories and, and that would be it. But um, obviously that was impossible. And then in recent months ago I got in contact with a local filmmaker and we had a conversation that I kind of told him about the idea and he was enthusiastic and he's like I can do this and uh, his name's Martin um, and he went into the roundabout and he actually drove in he drove in it for like 40 minutes and sent me back uh, one one forty minute file. It was just like super nauseating, which is what I was hoping for. What has been really good the last like month or so that I've had this footage is I just kind of watch. I watch it all the time, and it's almost become like it, it's like become this very formal thing. This this footage and the roundabout, and it's become like a stage for a text that I'm I've been developing and. And I know now that I'm actually pleased that it's kind of moved away from it just being a reciting of like some anecdotes of a family 
And it's allowed me to like think even a little bit theoretically about circles. You know, what happens if you don't follow a cycle or a, or a system that requires you to do a certain thing. So I think this looking at this footage, it's, it's become a prompt itself for me to think in these kind of ways and, and sort of like intertwine some stories. The footage sort of um, is saying something that I've been trying to say for many years in all the work I do, whether it's like a project or, or an object or whatever, is that I'm not convinced by the idea of like working in the margins or I'm not convinced that the margin or being outside of the center is a radical space because you kind of always are pitted there against the center. So by staying in the roundabout, looking at this video that stays so so fixated on a, on, on a center, uh, it's making me think a lot about like other ways to like dig in anyways. So to get back to what you know we're saying is like, the limitation is I cannot go to Swindon. I have a conversation with someone very interesting from there who is a filmmaker and they go and they do this, they deliver this material and I, and I, and I understand my limitation of four walls in my room in lockdown and in curfew here in Montreal and allowing it to sort of become, the work become what it can be at this time. It's really interesting what you were saying about renegotiating your relationship to the margins as a radical space. But when you well, what you were saying earlier, I think about how um, your idea changed from being what was initially kind of almost a sort of oral history recording, family members telling anecdotes, and then it changing into this much more kind of expansive, in some ways, kind of reflection or reflective thing. Uh, mine kind of took the opposite trajectory, became much more of a narrow and grounded thing than I think initially I was going to really try and work with some of the uncomfortable and paranoid and genuinely quite quite worrying and scary kind of implications of the of the radar station and i actually shrunk it in scope greatly from that so that it only ever really appears as a sort of thing in your peripheral vision in, in the end in, in the film that i have made and it became more of an oral history recording project to some extent i was reluctant not reluctant Reluctant is not the word. I was anxious at first to sort of involve my f family in making a film for me. They're just dynamics, I think, in a family that y you can sometimes get off on the wrong foot with this kind of thing. But they just rose to the challenge unbelievably well. And I ended up, I guess, effectively recording an oral history of my dad talking about this area that he's known his entire life. Basically, it's just his experience of, of going for a walk and in a place that he's very familiar with and then all of this other stuff sort of coming out of it. The other thing that I was going to pick up on and what you were talking about earlier, the guy who, who produced your footage for you just sort of was enthusiastic. That felt important to this as well. Um, my mum was telling me that, you know, my dad had printed out all these kind of 19th century maps, so he's getting really into it. And I've actually just asked them to both go and do some um, stone rubbings uh, on some of the Neolithic stones. And they're both just like, you know, like well up for it. So that felt great. It felt genuinely collaborative. And I think that's increasingly important to me now in my practice. Like I think somebody else is kind of 
enthusiasm for something or knowledge of something is something you can't ever meaningfully force or, or manufacture? First of all, I didn't really even... Now, I didn't think of it before that this, like, ask of uh, Martin and Swindon to do this um, film, this thing was uh, collaborative in a way, although it totally was. Uh, mm. You know, we had conversations about surveillance as well, like how inevitably you might attract attention and what to say if you pulled over, all these kind of things. So, yeah, there was, you know, obviously a lot of... Um, interesting conversations alongside that but in in the kind of looking at this footage a lot it has like uh, brought out a lot of my feeling of uh the sense of this like benign feeling of connection to land right now and and connection to people and to causes and, and issues um something that i will be showing with this uh exhibition is like a series of drawings of the agrarian like the farmer protests in, in India and this thing of like putting a lot of attention into these images and understanding like my let's say ancestral connection to this land and, and my family were farmers etc etc like a lot of Punjabi families would have been but then in this kind of drawing of these images, uh, really understanding the kind of, somehow the thin potential of me being really in solidarity with what's going on. And, and, and not to say that there isn't ways for me to do that, but like really like feeling insecure about that. And I've done these drawings of like um, protesters who have really stayed in place on these like roadways and, and have been protesting for months who have like dug out like water wells to provide water for themselves. And I guess I'm thinking a little bit about, again, this thing of staying right in the center and, and, and like planting yourself in a, in a place where I think I'm thinking a lot in isolation about how do we actually be with the community? How do we be in collaboration in, in these kind of, with the limitations of right now. I'm interested to know, like, how that has, like, your work on Sky right now, how has that informed this work? Because you're very much connected to a community in a very kind of concentrated way. There have been many, many ways in which it's, they've influenced each other almost. I had a, a conversation with uh, James Oliver, who's a really interesting academic who's based in Australia, but originally from the north of Sky. We were talking about the film that I've just made for GI a little bit when he was just, when we were just catching up. I was telling him there's an anecdote in the film that my dad gives. He was kind of coercively removed from a, a patch of land by somebody that he encountered on his walk. You'll see in the, in the film the way that he sort of talks about the way that he realizes that he's just basically been removed from somebody's land. So I thanked him profusely and uh, got over the wall, uh, walked along the moorland, and I was thinking to myself, he's just very, very politely shown me off, escorted me off his land, and I hadn't realised it. I thought he was being really friendly, but in actual fact, <laughs> he, he was um, 
he was showing me off his land. I suppose he wants people tramping up and down his, his own private wood. James was telling me about being young on Sky in a in a crofting community that had always been extremely cooperative and the land wasn't something that people felt private ownership of. It was something that was kind of communally understood. The point in his childhood where he first realised that because people were moving to the island or buying holiday homes or, or moving moving because because of the scenery, not because of the land, that basically land was becoming privatised and he was walking across somebody's croft and was asked to leave. Somebody came out of the house and said, go back. And he just didn't understand as a kid why he wasn't able to go on this land anymore because the idea of somebody having private land would have been alien. And I think when I am walking around crofting land on Sky, I'm often thinking, I'm carrying with me something that I learned growing up which is sort of ingrained in me, which is that, oh God, I'm, I'm, like, I'm on somebody else's property. I shouldn't be here. I'm very seen. Somebody's going to come out of the house in a minute and say, can you move off? And that's something that, that is quite new to crofting communities, perhaps. The sort of violence of that is quite painfully felt still. But it's something that growing up in England that is how the countryside is. You always feel like you're trespassing and somebody's going to come and shoot on you away. And I think I'm using that kind of anecdote or those two anecdotes as a way of thinking about how the place where you are generates something of how you are and vice versa. And I've been thinking a lot over the last few years, as I'm sure a lot of people have, about how a sense of belonging is instrumentalised politically at the moment it's very much happening certainly in England and also in Scotland very much in the UK and this this image this sort of bucolic image of the countryside is actually kind of used as shorthand for England but England is not really a rural country in the same way as most of the countries actually um, it's really a sort of urban suburban industrial country but still it kind of thinks of itself as this kind of bucolic space psychologically, which is is so interesting. And I think about how when you envision that sort of, that version of England, you're omitting the sort of colonial violence that sort of even facilitates the English countryside being a conceptual space or being a space actually and trying to just, start to to look at that a little bit in in my work maybe quite implicitly but but like pointedly in a very specific you know it's of a very personal shape and size so it's just following individual narratives and stories and and finally I'm in what you're saying about the margins there and and the, the the margins in the center and thinking about the margins or the edges of things being the points at which they come up against other things and where there is tension or friction and, and just like living with that and working with that, not trying to resolve it. Mm. The contention almost, keeping it contentious, not trying to win an argument or win out or, or resolve something, but to pr provide a space where a multiplicity of different perspectives can coexist. It's really good to hear you sort of go through that because I'm, as I'm developing this text for this, for this footage, I'm also... You know, coming to these kind of understandings. 
when will you come back to Scotland? <laughs> I'll be back in the fall, actually. Good. Um, I was just going to say it would be great to, I haven't seen you for ages, so it'd be really nice to have a pint. Oh my God, of course, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even like, uh, I, I feel like I block out the desire to go for a pint and, and friends and... Um, I feel like I would, this has been nice to talk to you, Andy, and like it's good to talk to you this this close to when uh, we're going to show this work. I also hope that it's work that we can also show in physical space. Yeah, I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. But it's, yeah, it's been great. It's been great to catch up. Just hoping we get to really uh, have more conversations like this, ideally in person. It would just be great. Yeah, likewise. Aman Sandu and Andrew Black. Find out more about their exhibition at glasgowinternational.org. Encounters was produced by Lindsay Moyes for Glasgow International, supported by the Scottish Government's Expo Fund and Arts Fund. Thank you for listening. <laughs>